Today is one of those days when I just realized what a privilege it is to be a part of, of the kingdom of God. I'm sitting there listening to the choir sing. And I'm saying, God, why did you let me have a part of this? He's doing such tremendous things in our midst. It's just overwhelming the privilege that we have to be called as children. And our prayer today is that you will know God that way. That somewhere we'll get beyond. He's this massive force out there that we can never know personally and intimately. Our prayer for you today is that you will sense the presence of God. And know how much He desires a relationship with you. And after I wonder that, I think about what I'm fixing to teach you on these next three weeks as we think about prayer and what an awesome privilege it is that we can go to God. Now listen, we can go to God in prayer. That the most massive force anywhere and ever invites us to talk to Him, to commune with Him. Not only are we just mortal men, but broken often warped, mortal men can talk to Him. How amazing is that? As I think about prayer, I am convinced that prayer is one of the most confusing things that I know about being a Christian. I think it probably began when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I really don't remember like, like specific prayers in my life that I used to pray, but I do know it involved the God is great and God is good and let us thank Him for our food. By His hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. And somehow I was raised in a family that made sure we like prayed some sort of prayer and I was taught that one. I'm sure sometime I got down on my knees as a kid and I prayed, you know, Lord, keep me through the night. You know, as I lay my head down, keep me through the night. And if I should die before I wake, I pray, Lord, my soul to take. And that kind of laid the groundwork after that and what I heard my pastors pray and, and what I heard people pray. And, and I, it's no accident that really that prayer became kind of like a, like a wish list. Like, like, okay, God, this is what I want. And God, this is what I need. And, and it seemed like my whole prayer life was give me, give me, give me. I need it. Bless me. Help me. Give me. And, and the crazy part I said I don't understand about all that is, is that so often it was so random. I would pray for a parking place and one would open up and I'd pray for somebody to be healed and they would die. I said, how random is that? How crazy is that? And so that led me on my own volition somewhere back a couple years ago to start examining my prayer life. Because sometimes I would get alone with God and it would feel like I was talking to myself. And yet sometimes it seemed like there's something there. Is that kind of like described prayer for a lot of you people? And then, and then some of you don't pray anymore. Some of you used to pray. You said, Dwayne, I used to be a disciplined prayer warrior. And then one day you prayed and God didn't do what you wanted Him to do. And so you got so disappointed with God that you quit praying. And we're kind of alike. I pray to get God to do stuff, and, and you prayed, and God didn't do what you wanted to do, so you stopped. 
and maybe wonder, is there something more perhaps to prayer than just asking God? And like I am so certain that there is. In fact, it, it only takes a casual reading to look what Jesus said about prayer to understand that, to see that clearly. If you're going to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, the very first part, I'll be preaching from the Holman Christian Standard Bible today. In the next three weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. Now, this is not an all-inclusive subject on prayer. It's simply just another aspect of prayer maybe we haven't looked at before, maybe we haven't considered before. Jesus had so much to say about prayer. And I began to realize that That prayer, as you saw the quotes from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and people like that, great believers of days gone by, that prayer was something more than just say, God, give me, bless me, take care of that, this, that, park in place, buy my keys, bless my child. It was so much more than that. And I thought about this. I thought about that prayer involved God. And prayer involved me. And then I realized that somehow, I think the thought was is that, God, I think you want to take part of you and move it over to me. That's got to be more than just, God, would you please give me what I'm asking for? Because so many times that didn't happen. In fact, you're going to hear today that God already knows what I need. And so I spent all this time telling him what I already knows. And so in our scripture today, Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount says, I want to take you some time. Now, I know you're good Jewish boys, and I know you know about prayer. You've been praying all your life. But but listen, let me just sort of teach you something about prayer. Now, I've learned a long time ago that when Jesus said something, and he said he wanted to teach us about something, perhaps maybe we all listen. So in these scriptures today, what we see is we see Jesus giving A negative and a positive, and a negative and a positive. Now, y'all know what these are, right? These are car batteries. Do you know what these are? These are called jumper cables. That's exactly right. And the purpose of a jumper cable is to convey power from something that is alive to something that is dead. To convey strength to something that is strong, to something that is weak. And I really believe that's a whole lot of what prayer is. Now, I know and you know that there's a certain way to hook up cables, but since I'm not trying to show you the right way to hook up cables, we're going to do it Jesus' way. So the first thing is, we're going to grab this black one here, and we're going to connect it, to a negative over here. David, are these batteries charged? Good. Do you think they're really dead? Because if I get this wrong, it could be a real explosive message. Okay? All right. So here's what Jesus says first off. He says, watch this. Notice the negative connection. And I entitled on your sermon sheet, Standing on the Corner. Now Jesus says these words, speaking on the Sermon on Mount to the guys who already know how to pray. He says, Whenever... You pray. So Jesus always says, hey, I know you already spend time in prayer. And I want to look at you tonight and say, I know you spend time in prayer. I want you to know your pastor. I spend time in prayer. In fact, when I'm 
or when you're, I don't really do this, but when you're driving to Marion and you're late for work and you're doing about 80 in a, in a 70 and you see a, a state trooper pulled off on the side of the road with his radar gun pointed at you, don't you start to pray? Yeah. Or, or when, you, when you really were walking into the classroom and Friday you didn't pay attention to the teacher's lesson and you walk in on Monday and the teacher says, pop quiz. Or maybe you've been to the, maybe you've been to the doctor and all of a sudden you find yourself when he says there's a result that we don't like, all of a sudden you find yourself becoming a very powerful prayer warrior. Or like I say, the Taylor household is kind of like the routine. You know, I don't care what we're having for, for lunch. In fact, I always tease people say, if you don't pray, you get gas. But man, we pray before that meal. You know, God, thank you for this food. We do, in fact, prayer. Pray. And Jesus said, whenever you pray, but then he gets the negative. You must not be like. He says, man, real strong. He says, now listen, first thing I want to tell you about prayer is how not to do it. He said, I want to tell you, you must not be like, and here's that ugly, icky word, the hypocrites. The word hypocrite means actor. It means to wear the mask. And Jesus fixed and tells about some people who prayed, but they prayed Wrongly, with a wrong heart and a wrong motive. You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray. Now, there you go. That's cool. They were, they loved to pray. As long as they were standing at the synagogue in front of people. Or as long as they were on a street corner, because he says at the synagogue and in the street corners to be seen by people. The hypocrites love to pray. And oh, they could, oh, they knew all the right lingo and dear heavenly father, God of the universe, great creator. We've all heard some magnificent prayers. And Jesus said, time out, don't be like that. He said, you know, don't, don't be the kind of person that puts on a mask and when you're in front of people, all of a sudden you have the most powerful and most flowery language to pray. Don't be like that. And see, their motive was wrong. Their motive was to be seen by men. I guess I'm saying this. Was Jesus opposed to public prayer? Mm. Say, say no. No, he wasn't. But he was opposed to showtime prayer. And that is when, whenever you're called on to pray in public, your public prayer does not match your private prayer. When, when all of a sudden you're praying in front of a group of people, and man, you've got the words, and you've got the passion, you've got the lingo and all that, but a prayer, if you're praying at home, is nothing like that. That's putting on the mask. He says, don't, don't be like that. He says, make sure that the private and the public line up. And then he says this, he says, you know, he says, they've got their reward. There is a reward for praying like that. To be seen of men. Jesus says, they, they want a reward. The reward they want to be seen by men. They're saucy men. All right, congratulations. You've got your reward. Well, what's God going to do? Nothing. They, they, they want to be seen of men. They wanted to pray. They did it. They stood on the street corner in the synagogue. They knew all the right words. They prayed. God said, good, good job. Yeah, you got seen by men. End of, end of story. And here's the deal. I think... And I'm going to use the word authentic prayer because I'm lacking for another one. I think that's a real powerful weapon. Satan doesn't fear this. 
Satan does not fear you when you stand before a group of people and you know all the flyer words and you put on the mask and you pray this, this awesome prayer that sounds so awesome to us. But inside there's not really nothing going on. Satan doesn't fear that. He doesn't care if you pray like Listen, you want to know why so many churches today are deader than a doornail? Because this is our prayer life. We can pray it publicly, but we don't pray it privately. We, we show one thing outwardly and not inwardly. And Satan just stands there and goes, dude, it don't bother me. See, Satan don't even care if we have church. As long as he knows God don't show up. Talk to me now. He don't care how we pray. As long as we don't discover what the purpose, the true purpose of prayer is, which you're going to hear about today. He doesn't mind. Listen. Satan does not mind when you get on your knees, even at home somewhere, and say, Hey, God, you know, I pray that you'll give me this and give me that and give me this and give me that and give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And that's the extent of your prayer life. That's it. Doesn't mind at all. But when we start hooking on to what prayer is all about, he fears that. He fears that. So Jesus says, don't, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But then Jesus gives us the positive. Just in case David's wrong. He says this. When you pray, when you pray, Go into your private room and shut the door. Now, where you go, huh? Private room? Well, what's up with that? And Jesus goes, do you want to know how to pray? Yeah, okay. Well, you are the Son of God. Okay, go into your private room. But, but Jesus, time out. Can I, listen, can I pray? Can, can I pray when I'm in the shower and shaving? Yeah. yeah, you can pray like that. But, but Jesus, like, like, can I pray when I'm jogging on the treadmill? Uh, yeah, you sure can. Can you pray when you're making lunches for five kids and they're 30 minutes late for school? Yeah, yeah, you, you can pray like that. In fact, I taught a sermon and I still back that sermon up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, I believe it says, pray without ceasing. I mean, let me tell you something. I believe in a prayer that tells you when you're driving down the road and God puts a thought in your head, pray about it. When you're going through the grocery store and you're pushing the car down and God gives you a thought, pray about it. I mean, I believe what Paul wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we ought to pray without ceasing. But I'm trying to tell you, there might be something a little bit more than that. When you pray, he says, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, or pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus says there's something more. It's important. Did you see the sermon title? A lesson I learned from my wife. The other day, it's been about a month ago, maybe two months, we were sitting there and we were having a chat. 
we were talking, and I do not know even the basis of the conversation. But it probably went something like this. But honey, I do this. And honey, I do that. But, 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 but Judy, honey, I do this for you. And she said these words. Dwayne, time is intimacy. Time is intimacy. See, let, let me help you husbands out. Your wife really values your time. I mean, let me just tell you about yesterday. Well, first of all, let me tell you about every night. Every night, unless something's just totally weird, I share responsibility. Sometimes I do most of it. I get up and I scrape the dishes off and load the dishwasher, kind of clean the kitchen up. She cooks that. She mostly joins me doing that. Yesterday, I got the vacuum cleaner out and vacuumed the upstairs and the downstairs. Okay? Yesterday, Mr. Decorator here, hello, got the fall decorations down, hung up all the wreaths on the doors, attached the, the garland, fall garland stuff that goes up the staircase, put some leaves into the window, hello. And then she would say to me, time is intimacy. She's saying, Dwayne, more than I value you running the sweeper, more than I value you helping with the dishes every night, more than I value doing a kind of a non-man thing and kind of decorating the house for fall, I value when you sit down and talk with me. Now, we and you talk all the time. I mean, I mean, we talk all the time. We're driving to Marion, we talk. We drive, unless she's reading a book, when we go down to family reunion, we talk. When we're sitting out in the morning, we talk. So that pondered the question. We men are really slow about this, ladies. So Pooter said, I said to Pooter, what does it mean to talk intimately? I'm new at this game, Pooter. We've been married 34 years. What's it mean to talk intimately? And then she said, men, hold on to your seat. This is going to make you cringe. She said, to share your feelings. Oh, gosh. Feelings? You mean like, like gooey, honest stuff like that? Yes. Yes. Now, here's what I know. You can talk and work, you can do all the little stuff for your marriage, and you can talk to your wife, and talk to your wife, and talk to your wife, but your marriage will go strong when you learn to talk intimately with your wife. When you recognize that time is intimacy, your relationship and your marriage will be stronger. Have you figured out where I'm going yet? We can talk to God when we're driving down the road. We can talk to God when we're pushing the buggy. But Jesus is saying something more. He's saying, when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And you're going, all right, that's what I've been waiting on. You mean I didn't get the job because I didn't get in a closet and pray? I'll go get in a closet and pray. That's not the reward. The reward 
is a close, personal, intimate relationship with God. And my brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. That is what the enemy fears. That is what the enemy fears. Let me just kind of throw some thoughts out to you to kind of undergird this, to strengthen this. I'm fixing to read a verse to you that says this. Your father knows the things you need before you ask him. If prayer is only asking God, he already knows. If prayer is simply asking God, then why do we enlist like 500 people to pray and just keep asking and asking and asking? Is he a mean old God? Is he a stubborn God? Is it, is it wrong God to ask, for, to ask God for things? No, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying maybe there's a big segment of prayer we're missing. And maybe that's the intimacy part with God. Maybe it's us being apart. And not asking God for anything. But just getting to know Him, Mary. Just getting to know Him. And that scares the enemy to death. Because he knows as we start connecting the cables and as we start knowing God intimately, more than as a Santa Claus or something like that, as we start to know God as our personal Father, all of a sudden His power becomes transformed into a life of weakness. And that weakness becomes strong. He knows that when we hook up with God and His power is transferred from that which is alive to that which is dead, that which was dead now becomes alive. So, so, so get into your closet and close the door. And, and your father that you cannot see will reward you in secret. How cool is that? You mean you really, Dwayne, are you teaching, are you trying to teach us right now that God really wants to hear from us? That's really possible to have that kind of relationship with the Father? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And it's the most powerful aspect of prayer. So then Jesus gives us another negative. I entitled it, Much much Thunder, Little Rain. Here's what it says. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Since they imagine... They'll be heard for their many words. Let me read it again. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Now, let me tell you about the much thunder little rain. Nita Reynolds gave this to me a long time ago. I've never forgotten it. A Native American was taken to church. And for the first time, he heard a Baptist preacher. And the preacher preached. And afterwards, the person who had taken the Native American to church said, well, what did you think of the preacher? And the Native American, the Indian said, hmm, much thunder, little rain. Gee, I thought you'd laugh at that. (laughs) Much thunder, little rain. Jesus says these folks imagine 
It seems logical to their head that, that if they go on and on and on and on in prayer, that they'll be heard for their much speaking. And somehow, now listen carefully, somehow we've integrated that into our prayer lives, Brent. That somehow, if we know the right lingo, and if we can get the right length, that, that somehow that impresses God in our prayer life. In three weeks, one of the sermon points is lead, guide, and direct. I have no idea what that means. I use it all the time. I don't know the difference between lead, guide, and direct, but boy, a lot of people say it. Have you noticed that we always pray in Jesus' name? In fact, when I go to a pastor's conference, and sometimes the pastor doesn't say, he just says, God and God and God, and said, Amen. I'm going, Dude! Time out! You forgot to say in Jesus' name, it won't be heard! You know what that, when Jesus said, ask what you will in my name? He wasn't saying three words in Jesus' name. He was saying, in my authority, in my power, pray in my name. But man, we tagged that on the end. That's the lingo, and boy, Jesus won't hear the prayer if. I'm just trying to get across to you today that there's something more than the amount of words that you say. Let me read to you. Listen to this. He spoke this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Kind of like the hypocrite guy. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He prayed a nice prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even a slow-down tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Then Jesus says, the tax collector guy there, who was lower than pond scum, sent over by himself, says seven words. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven words. And the Bible says that that guy went home justified and not the guy with all the flowery speech. See, that, you want to know why most of you push back from going in your closet and praying? The same reason you don't want to talk to your wife. You're like me. What do you talk about? When it's just me and her, and she says time is intimacy, I go, what do you talk about? And that's how we are with God. But Dwayne, if, if, if you're saying the main focus, now please hear me, I'm not saying don't ask. I'm just saying the main, if the main focus is not give me, bless me, do that, what am I going to say to God? Start where you are. Did you know, Brent, did you know God doesn't have a stopwatch? Did you know God's not in heaven going, ready, set, Go! Keep going, come on, come on, come on, don't quit, come on, come on, yeah, no, got it, got it, time, all right, dude. No. It's not about the lingo. It's not about the length. It's about your heart. It's about you getting along with God and saying, God, it's me and it's you, and I want to know you. 
You know what's so cool? Have you all thought about Genesis before? I don't know how it worked. And the Bible says God walked in the cool of the garden in the afternoons. I don't know if that's a, like a, a metaphor or what it is. But it's so cool to think that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. Isn't that like radical cool, Tracy? I mean, just how cool. In fact, he was doing that looking for them when they had sinned. Adam and Eve, where are you? Does it not blow your mind? Listen, does it not blow your mind that the God of the universe wants to be intimate with you? Wants to know you up front and personal, not facts. He told Jeremiah, before you are formed in the womb, I knew you. I'm not talking about facts. He's God. He already knows. But I'm talking about knowing you on that wonderful personal level. And you knowing God on a wonderful personal level. I love Exodus in chapter 33 and verse number 11. Listen to these words. Listen to this. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Wow. Wow. To know God on that level. That how he knew Moses. He wants to know us. How powerful is that? Is that powerful? And that's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer. And that's what Satan fears. When, when you see all those quotes on prayer, these are men and women that understood exactly that. They understood the power and the intimacy of prayer. Now we have to end up, let me get my negative on here, and we end up then with our last positive. And here's what Jesus says. Don't be like them. Because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. If you're pushing back today and going, wait a minute, Dwayne. Dude, I don't, I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't quite grasp it. If it's not about asking, then what's it about? Man, you are on the, you're on the edge of a breakthrough in prayer. If you're sitting there going... Well, maybe there's something I don't understand about prayer then. You're on the edge of a huge breakthrough in your prayer life. When, when we begin saying, pushing back and going, I don't know, God. I don't know, Jesus. That's just not why I've always done it. We are on the edge of a breakthrough. Remember that reward? It's the power of the intimacy with God. So, Dwayne, do I ask? Yeah. Jesus said that too. He said, now, you go ahead and ask. But what he's saying is, don't spend all your time with me asking. I already know those things. Me and the Father, we know those things. Yeah, ask. Go ahead and ask. You know, so we built an intimate relationship. Sure, go ahead and share that. That's cool. But just don't spend all your time asking. You know what we do? Here's what we do. I got hear my prayer position here. Hi, God. It's Dwayne. Um, Lord, 
my, my wife, um, Lord, she's like not walking close to you right now. And sorry, Judy. And Lord, she, um, she really needs like a closer walk with you. So, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you will talk to her and um, like bring her closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. What we do, we do that, see? I said, I trust God. So what I do then is go over to Judy. I said, Judy, why aren't you walking close to God? I bought this book for you. Now, if you'll just read this book, you'll walk closer to God. What did I just do? I said, I'm going to trust God with this. And I took it in my own hands and did exactly what I was going to do anyway. And that's what we do with prayer. Remember Corey Tim? You might remember Corey Tim Boom? She used to illustrate this way. She said, she'd go to the altar and she said, I would dump my purse out. And she would literally take her purse and dump the contents on the altar. And say, Lord, here's all that I'm concerned about. I'm giving them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Then she'd take her purse, open it up and scoop it all back in there. Take her purse and leave the altar. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and ask. Just don't spend all your time on it. And you know what? There's going to be times you're going to hear this. There's a time to act. But give God a pause. He may just already be working on the situation. Don't take it back into your hands. Learn to trust God. Learn to trust God. There's a quote by Andrew Murray on the bottom of your page. Some people pray just to pray, and some people pray to know God. I did a little research of Andrew Murray. He was a Christian, a pastor, preacher guy, back in the way early 1800s in England. And one day, he laid aside all his commentaries and all of that and said, I'm going to read the book, the book, the Bible. And began to read it, and it radically transformed his life, including his take on prayer. And Murray became famous for his ability to trust God in prayer. He, God led him to start several orphanages. And there's a great story that's been verified as true. I'd like to read it to you today. It goes like this. And now the story from Mueller's life. Things look bleak for the children of George Mueller's orphanage at Ashley Downs in England. It was time for breakfast, and there was no food. A small girl whose father was a close friend of Mueller was visiting in the home. Mueller took her hand and said, Come and see what our father will do. In the dining room, long tables were set with empty plates and empty mugs. Not only was there no food in the kitchen, but there was no money in the home's account. Mueller prayed, Dear Father, we thank Thee for what Thou art going to give us to eat. Immediately, they heard a knock at the door. When they opened it, there stood the local baker. Mr. Mueller, he said, I could not sleep last night. Somehow I felt you had no bread for breakfast. So I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and baked the fresh bread. Here it is. Mueller thanked him and gave praise to God. Soon there was a second knock that was heard. It was the milkman. 
His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. He said that before the milk spoiled, he would like to give it to the children. Looking at George Mueller's ability to, to know that Father would provide makes it very clear that prayer preceded the miracle that was about to happen. Through prayer and revelation, George knew that his Father would provide and activated the faith in others while preparing the table for the miracle. Prayer is not pulling God to our will, but the alignment of our will to the will of God. Mueller was a man who could trust God. Mueller was a man who said, God, I'm not going to call my banker and see if I can get a loan. I'm not going to call some friends and call some favors in. I'm going to trust you. And time and time again, God came through. How did that happen? Do you think it happened in this man's life with a prayer life that simply was, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need? Or do you think in the intimacy of life that George Mueller laid hold of the power of God in his life as he discovered the intimacy and relationship with God? That there was a God that could and a God that would. There was a God who cared and loved George Mueller and his children. And George was willing to trust God to wait and act on his behalf. How did Mueller get there? Through intimacy. Through intimacy. I need to tell you and be very honest with you. That does not mean that everything you pray, that God's going to give it to you. The real true reward, when he said, I'll give you a reward, is this. Whether God says yes, whether God says no, or whether God says nothing, you have the confident assurance that He is with you. And that is enough. And brothers and sisters, that's not the only facet of prayer, but that's a big one. And I believe with all my heart is a facet of prayer that the 21st century today is missing. It's missing. And I want to challenge you as your pastor, if you don't already do this, to find time, to carve out time, to get alone. Dwayne, can I still pray driving? Yes, please do. Dwayne, can I still pray while I'm jogging? Oh, yes, do that. Uh, when you need a parking place, you're late for an appointment, I do it. I ask God. And you know what amazing thing? It happened. Yeah, do that. Do that. But carve out time in your schedule. But Dwayne, I'm busy. Would the non-busy person please raise their hand? I don't know any. We're all busy. But Jesus said, who, who said? Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The one we sang about. Jesus said, carve out time. Get in your private room somewhere. If you like praying in the car, go ahead and pray in the car. Just make sure it's parked in the garage when you're doing it. Not driving down the road 70 miles an hour with a cell phone in your ear. Carve out time. Get alone with God. And your Father, who sees you in secret, will reward you. And I love what the King James says. Openly. Openly.
And then Jesus said, and when you pray, pray like this. And he teaches us this magnificent prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, which really should be called the model prayer or the disciples' prayer. And I hope you'll come back next week. And you'll see how this lines up. This prayer that Jesus teaches His disciples and teaches us lines right up with that intimacy factor in prayer. Now, would you bow your heads right there where you are? My my first thought is this. Can you call God Father today? See, I have three children. And I was there when each one of them were born. And they call me Daddy, Dad, not usually Father. But they can do that because I'm their father. Now, if one of your children ran up and called me Dad, that would be a little strange. And nor would I feel any obligation really to act as father toward them. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm not talking about going to church or being a particular denomination or anything like that. If you've never reached a point... Where you realize that you have sinned against holy God and that God provided a way through His Son Jesus that we could have forgiveness of sin. And that if we act on faith, believing that Jesus is the Son of God and He has the power to forgive us and invite Him in to be the Lord of our lives. If you've never done that, today you can. And then you can legitimately call God Father. And that opens up this wonderful intimacy for you. So my first invitation today is, have you ever come into relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? If you have not, in a few moments, we're going to have this time of invitation. And my, my brother, my friend, Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And we have some friends who will take you and show you exactly what the Word of God says about coming into relationship. We won't pull out some Southern Baptist pamphlet or some Baptist dogma. We'll take the Word of God and show you what it means to be a believer and come into relationship with Heavenly Father. That's the first step. And then the second step for a lot of us who already have trusted Jesus, don't, don't stop asking now. Don't hear that. Don't stop asking. That's still legit. Sometimes there's time to act. You'll hear about that in a couple, three weeks. But just recognize today the huge role that intimacy plays in prayer. That intimacy that Adam and Eve enjoyed before they sinned. That intimacy that Moses enjoyed with God, talking face to face as one talks to a friend. I've seen some magnificent marriages. And each one of them, without an exception, you see this gut level feeling of intimacy where the man and the woman know each other intimately. And that's what God is calling us to. That is simply a mirror. It's a reflection of what God wants in His relationship with you, His children, and me as His child. I'm challenging us to get into our closet, close the door, and maybe for the first time in a long time, get to know God intimately. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of mine to share your word today. Father, where I've muddled it, 
Holy Spirit, I pray you'll make it clear. For my friend here today who has never trusted Jesus as Savior, let today be that day. God, you so desire to truly be their Father in a most intimate way. And I pray you'll lead them to know your Son, Jesus Christ, today. For us, Father, today, who have made that decision and can honestly call you Father, Lord, help us begin. Help us commit today to add this great dimension of prayer to our prayer lives, that of intimacy. I love you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name.